All right, everybody, welcome to the May 23rd edition of Cascadian Views. I've got a Dan with me here today. Uh, we might have a Chris later. I don't know. He hasn't responded yet. <laughs> howdy, howdy. Yeah, uh, we, we've had a fair bit happen. Uh, and one of the things that we're going to start with, because we were just talking about before the show, is the uh, Libertarian Convention, uh, which is happening online. There have been a smattering of primaries. I think you said six. Uh, but we're going to be... Uh, getting a nominee in a very messy, very convoluted process. And it's one of the things I love about minor parties. They don't, the libertarian party does resemble a major party in a lot of ways. They're the most successful of the third parties. They've uh, historically had ballot access in all 50 states. Uh, they've got their shit together. They run candidates for more or less every office. Uh, but they don't have the sort of infrastructure that you can only really have as like a major party. And nominating conventions are one of those. Uh, you can either hitch your your pony to the state primary that everybody throws, but if you want anything special about it, you want anything specific, the state just doesn't offer that, and you're not a big enough force to really be able to demand it. Uh, and the libertarians have a lot of a lot of weird wrinkles in their their nomination. They require majority support for nominees. Uh, so they'll just go through kind of ranked choice vote, uh, voting sort of thing, uh, kind of caucus realignment, where, you know, lower scoring candidates are just eliminated and their voters have to pick somebody else, uh, realign. And they also have an, uh, none of the above option, which they haven't got any other state besides Nevada to go along with. Uh, Nevada does provide a uh, none of the above option in every election in the state, uh, so that you can vote basically disapproval of the whole slate of candidates. Sure. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun because this is kind of the the lab that allows people to experiment with voting systems. You know, making a state election transition to a completely different sort of infrastructure is rare. Maine did it recently, and they're pretty much the only the only group out there. Uh, but when you run your own elections, like this wonky online convention that they're doing, uh, you can make the rules be pretty much whatever you want. Hey, well, yeah. interesting and, how that ends up coming about. I mean, I was looking at some of the candidates and, well, I guess that's get to the specifics of this, but uh, they're kind of bereft of any kind of major names, it looks like. Kokesh uh, you know, is in there. Sorry, who is that? Uh, Adam Kokesh. I am not familiar. Who's this fella? Uh, you may have slept through the early 2000s, but uh, he was one of the biggest names in the Iraq Veterans Against War group. Uh, he oh, used to really? Be, yeah. He was a, a major activist. He eventually got picked up in 2000. He used to be in the Marine Corps. Uh, he served in Iraq. That's how he got involved in the Iraq Veterans Against War group. Uh, he got involved in Russia Today and got his own show, Adam versus the Man, uh, hmm. until the FCC got him to pull it down, and now he's a libertarian. Okay, well, at least as of the second ballot, he's got six write-in votes. Yeah, I, I mean, he's he's pretty controversial. Um, okay. He used to be kind of, uh, during the Iraq War resistance, he, he glommed on to a lot of publicity, uh, got arrested in the Senate a few times. He was he was kind of more identified with the pinko left, I, I guess okay. we would have called huh. ourselves back then. But he was never really on board with that. He was a conservative who was just really against, against war the war and yeah kind of big on civil liberties and whatnot uh he is he, the libertarian party is a very natural home for him but he's also uh 
kind of a dirtbag in a lot of ways. Like, he says a lot of shit that's uh, pretty controversial. He uh, gloms on to a lot of, like, Second Amendment protests now, the armed march in Washington that happened a while back. Uh, All right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a whole story. He's maybe a slightly more Alex Jonesy version of... Um, Who's that Veritas guy? Project Veritas. Oh, um, shoot. Uh, yeah, the kind of Weasley guy. That... Yeah, just whenever there's a controversy. O'Keefe. Find... O'Keefe, yeah. James O'Keefe, that's he, right. He's got the same sort of thing going on where wherever there's a controversy, he's going to find a way to slide himself into. And he, he managed to, to ride it to quite a bit of a media paycheck for a while. Hmm. All right. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, he's in there, but, I mean, it's not like you've got more a, a high-profile celebrity candidate like a Gary Johnson this time around, or at least for a while there was Justin Amash in the mix. Yeah, yeah, and actually he got some ride-in votes by, uh, yeah. by the looks of it. Uh, everybody's favorite, very crazily dressed uh, television star, Vermin Supreme, is not going to make it, it looks like. Right. Uh sad that wearing an uh, upside-down shoe on your head is no longer enough of a platform to carry the Libertarian Party. really well, shows their decline. <laughs> buying everybody, having the government buy everybody a pony does not seem very libertarian to me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but oh well. That helps you achieve your dreams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alright. Um, I, I guess the other big national news is uh, Trump's kind of freaking out a bit. Uh, he started picking fights with Fox News over polling. He's uh, kind of decided he's going to override uh, all governors in the country to order them to approve church reopenings, which he can't do. He's screaming Obamagate. He's really seems to be breaking down a little bit. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as much as, you know, that's noticeable from usual, but yeah. It's really odd behavior. You get the picture of a guy that's kind of in impossibly over his head, but what can he do at this point? Yeah, he's been trashing Fox News uh, to prop up One America News, OAN, which is just off the deep end. Like, I know I've already brought him up once this episode, but they almost make uh, Alex Jones seem reasonable i mean there is some crazy conspiracy shit on there yeah yeah well yeah it was a few weeks ago john oliver did a segment on them and yeah yeah you're right it is a much more radicalized version of you know pro-trump propaganda which i mean fox is that too but you know they're a little bit more subtle i mean they're not subtle at all but they're more strategic. You know, they realize that there are times when it's not helpful for them to just mindlessly bray whatever Trump's party line is in terms of the long-term right-wing project. And I know they like to blur the line pretty considerably, that they generate news with their opinion shows that their news programs then cover as a controversy. But they do, at least... Up until recently, they, they've been pretty fastidious about at least maintaining the appearance of a line between their opinion and their news division. You had uh, well-respected names in the news media, like Shepard Smith and uh, who's he, uh, Chris Wallace, 
Is right. that the right name there? Yeah. Yes. Just you know, people who whose integrity and and craftsmanship at being reporters is not at all in question. Right. Um, and you know they've lost some of that. Uh, Shep Smith kind of very famously broke from the network just a couple of years ago. Um, he's got a non compete that's going to run out here in a, a few months, and I'm pretty curious to hear his stories. Mm-hmm. But uh, where he's going to end up? Yeah. 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 But he's uh, he he left that uh, that network, and they paid him a fair bit to do it. I, I mean, the golden parachute on that to get him to agree to the the non compete was in the millions, tens of millions, if I remember right. Sure. And bought a silence well, for like two years. Mm-hmm. Well, it's I mean, yeah, it's a, he he's a he's a recognizable enough personality that yeah, it would definitely. I mean, he could go someplace and create trouble for them, sure. But and Wallace is enough of a name that you know he's regularly called on to to host debates now. Um, and remember, that was a big deal for Fox in two thousand six. They'd never really mm-hmm. got into the the committee on presidential debates level, and and Wallace was the one who got him there. He was the one that they agreed to to bring on. Those are real prestige pieces in in Fox's crown, and those are the people that Trump seems to hate the most. The, the straight yeah. news guys. Yeah, the, the news guys, he hates their polling department because they've got actually a pretty well-respected polling department that uh, puts out pretty quality work. And a high-quality poll is not going to be very good news for Trump at the moment. It's a little bit curious to me, though, because with each one of these, with each piece of the Republican Party infrastructure that he has to attack, you, you just... There has to be people who are realizing that this is, you know, war with East Asia, war with Oceania over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of it's, you know, kind of ritualistic. He's trying to, you know, work the ref, so to speak, and get a little bit more of that, the kind of coverage that he would prefer. You know, the, the fawning, you know, One America News Network that he's used to. But... I mean, at the end of the day, Fox News is still Fox News, and it's basically a propaganda network for you know the right wing of the country. And has pretty much since the day it started. Yeah, I mean, that's what it was built for, and it does a damn fine job of that. I, I don't know if I'd say it was built for it. I would say it was built to turn the news into an entertainment industry. It was the first one out there with those flashy graphics and those animated chirons and shit. It made it into something that people needed to turn into. And when you have that, you have to keep their attention. So you turn to outrage culture. And I just, I almost feel the turning into a conservative propaganda network is almost the required outcome of the like news as reality show kind of vibe that they went for. Yeah. 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 Kind of the end game there. Sure. Yeah. There, there's just nowhere for it to go. I mean, reality TV has the same problem. Basically it, it's always driven to more and more extreme situations. It's always got to top what came before and you, you get into kind of a feedback loop that eventually leaves you with nowhere to really go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I have no idea how Big Brother has been around for fucking 30 seasons now or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, somebody's watching it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, 
Generation X people. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. The people uh, who weren't around to see the real world on MTV back in the day? Maybe. I mean, yeah, I mean, it seems like a slightly less entertaining version of that. But. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting the way legacy media will stick around. I mean, you kind of wonder what what's next for an outlet like that. I mean, Roger Ailes is dead, so would they go legit or try to or just one of the murdoch kids wants to take it legit and one of the other murdoch kids does not and there's been kind of a battle happening for at least the last 10 years or so i first became aware of it when the uh the murdoch uh, tabloids in the uk were doing all the phone hacking thing and uh from what i was reading the uh the fight kind of was postponed because murdoch just picked one of them and <laughs> went to go deal with the tabloids <laughs> in Europe and whatnot, but I, I think it's James Murdoch who wants to take it more legit, uh, really okay. double down on the Fox News, uh, like, news department and whatnot, uh, whereas the other one wants to, uh, Lacklin, I think, is the other one, wants mm. to chase the, the viewership and make it more OAN-like. Yeah. Well, that viewership's all gonna be dead in 10, 15 years, <laughs> but, yeah. Huh. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let's take it back to uh, some local stories. We have election in, in Oregon this mm -hmm. week. Uh, vote by mail, so everybody got it in. We have uh, a lot of interesting things that happened. Uh, for one, my mayor was forced into a runoff, uh, which he's going to win. He, he was barely forced into the runoff. Uh, but the mm -hmm. fact that he was forced into a runoff at all is a little bit interesting. Uh, Remember, this was kind of a job he was slumming to take. He was going to be governor, and then uh, Kickstarter got in trouble. <laughs> and, right. And and Brown was elevated from secretary of state to governor and then just held on to the office. So Wheeler didn't know what to do, and he decided to go back to municipal government. Uh, so he, he ended up taking 49.3% of the vote. Uh, forcing him into a runoff with his main opponent from the previous election, Sarah Ann Arone, uh, who got 23.8% of the vote. Uh, she's been pursuing a court case against Wheeler uh, for campaign money. Uh, the city of Portland passed a law about campaign donations, but then the court put it on pause, but then the city reached an agreement and they were going to start enforcing it, and they announced a date. Uh, and it was after the mayor's election, or after a certain point in the mayor's election, but he was allowed to keep the money and spend the money that he had taken before the campaign finance limits went into effect. And she went to court trying to force him to give back the money that he had previously taken over the limit when it wasn't being enforced. And it was a whole messy thing. The courts eventually decided he gets to spend the money because he collected it when it was allowed. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the overall dynamic, is it what, kind of a Seattle-style liberal versus left? Or Yes. Um, Sarah, in her profile in the last election, I believe, wore a skirt with the face of Mao on it, which is a, okay. a pretty yeah. effective like advertisement of what she's all about. Sure. Uh, she focuses a lot on transit uh, as well, which is uh, quite a good thing. She's got a lot of good ideas. I, I think I prefer Wheeler slightly more, but she's not a bad candidate. Okay. Uh, maybe a little too combative, which brings us to one of our other stories. Chloe Udley, uh, who's a candidate running for re-election to the city council, uh, was forced into a runoff with a candidate named Mingus Maps. 
uh, who is probably going to win. Uh, it was also not sure who she'd be against. Former Mayor Sam Adams, who used to be uh, the mayor until he got caught uh, having a relationship with a underage male uh, employee. <laughs> Right. who was 17 at the time he went away taught at some colleges for a while came back Yudali has pissed off a lot of people um she's got fairly good politics but she's extremely combative and she talks before she really knows what's going on sometimes and it causes mm -hmm. her to have to walk back uh, fairly fundamental statements of fact on a number of occasions uh she's very combative very much a bomb thrower uh mingus maps is a political scientist he's an academic he's a pretty decent guy but he's backed by a lot of people that as portlanders were not conditioned to like a lot uh like he's made a big deal about his endorsement from various uh real estate groups and whatnot various realtor associations um things like that sam adams uh had the knowledge and the know-how and thought utility would be the easiest target but with his baggage uh he came up just short Udley got 31.3, Mingus got 28.6, Sam Adams got 27.7. Oh, so yeah, he just barely missed it. That's... Oh, yeah. Uh, missed it by just over 2,000 votes. Udley okay. got 64,905, Mingus Maps got 59,347, Sam Adams got 57,513. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that was Speaking for the of... position four race. Yeah. So, I mean, speaking of slumming it, I mean, he's kind of stepped down from being mayor, I assume. Is he, was this kind of his last shot at coming back? Or yeah, This is or what he wanted to be back? his comeback. Yeah, he he did a real media tour for this election, tried to rehabilitate his image a bit. Um, yeah. You don't want to forgive it. Um, I, yeah. It made it hard, but there were other races he could have ran uh and he probably would have done better there he just he thought Udley was the softest target uh but the position two city council race is also going to run off and we have no idea who the second opponent was the incumbent loretta smith was held to 18.8 percent of the vote uh so that'll be going to round two as well there were one two three four five five candidates who got double digit support nobody got more than 19 percent hmm that one is spread out uh the city council position one race went to carmen rubio she's the first latina to be elected to a city council she's a longtime policy aide to a number of former city council uh, members she was pretty much the consensus choice and she walked away with it she got more than two-thirds of the vote her next highest competitor was 8.9 percent uh we knew that one going going into it the, yeah. the, the night of the election we didn't have to wait for extra ballots to be counted um we passed a, a couple bonds one was for school construction the other one was um we extended the oil and gas tax that we had previously had in place and we passed a new tax on people making more than one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to fund homeless services um, we have a runoff in a circuit court judge position which doesn't happen very often um, i didn't know any backstory about that i didn't hear anything about it so i don't imagine that it's uh anything big people just kind of pick names at random i guess um we had a very close election in the democratic primary for secretary of state uh in the end shemia fagan won by uh less than four thousand votes uh she takes 36.1 percent of it uh, against a state senator i believe mark haas 
We got 35.6% mm-hmm. of the vote, uh, lost by a little over 3,000 votes. We had a third candidate, Jamie McLeod Skinner, came in at 27.5%, uh, 150,000 change votes for her. Uh, that one, that was a real three-way race. Uh, yeah. Kind of messy. Now that one, that's there's a Republican incumbent in the Secretary of State. Who is office, not right? running. Not running. Okay. Yeah. So there's there's actually um, a story here. The elected Secretary of State that we last had was a Republican, and he died in office of like a brain aneurysm. Uh, huh. Just dropped dead one day. The governor, Kate Brown, um, we discussed this a little bit in the group. There wasn't any particular reason she needed to pick a Republican to replace him. Um, I don't know exactly why she did, other than I believe she was personal friends with the person that she picked, um, who was a older gal, had been involved in state politics for forever, was more or less retired, and took up the post as a placeholder. She wasn't going to run for re-election. She was just keeping the seat warm and doing the things the Secretary of State needed to do to ensure the government went on. Hmm. Um, so it's it's more or less an open office. The Republican incumbent is not much of an incumbent and is best buddies with the Democratic governor. So. Okay. Uh, on the Republican side, they had a primary for Senate, uh, and they ended up with the QAnon person. Oh, uh, Jesus, Joe yeah. Ray Perkins. Uh, she not only convincingly won not quite a majority, she got 49.3% uh, of the vote statewide, but it was 20% better than her next uh, highest competitor. And she took the most votes of any Republican in Portland as well. Even the blue uh, blue part of the state Republicans were voting for her. I don't really get it. Her campaign almost immediately tried to distance herself from the QAnon thing, and then she came out and said she can't do it. She's a QAnon person. Her campaign is wrong. Don't listen to that. Almost word for word. I'm very close to a direct quote there. She did say not to listen to her campaign. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They're they're betraying you. I mean, they're they're all going to be arrested and put in jail. Trump's going to work it out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's – I mean, that kind of gets the the dynamic a little bit. I mean, Washington, you've got – I'm sorry, Oregon, you've got a closer partisan split. I think than we do here in Washington State, but uh, your Republican Party is kind of a basket case. Yeah. So, and yeah. I, you know what? I don't think we have as much of a partisan split as as it looks like. Um, I think we were just really good at hiding it for a while because we had uh, a few very good Republican senators that most people kind of liked, but the state hasn't elected a Democratic go- or uh, Republican governor since I was nine months old. Yeah, it, it's been well over thirty years. It dates back to like nineteen eighty seven. Was was the last time that Oregon elect or Oregon had a a Republican governor? We elected yeah. a Democrat in nineteen eighty seven, um, and so it was four years before that was the last time we voted for a, a Republican governor. Um, our our house is we have one Republican seat. Everybody else is Democrats. Uh, the Republicans in the, the state legislature have been reduced to running out of the state to prevent a quorum from forming uh, in order to have any influence whatsoever. And actually, to drive home that point that they are completely crazy, 
the one Republican who looked like he might actually have a chance and show the Oregon Republican Party a way out of the wilderness, Newt Bueller, who, who ran as a, a different kind of Republican, one who could speak to the suburbs, one who was you know, personally pro-life but legislated pro-choice because he didn't believe it was the governor, government's decision to go into a uterus, things like that. You know, the, the exact same dance you have from Democrats who maintain personal religiosity religiosity i can't pronounce that word um but want to govern in a left of center way he made a lot of those same arguments he looked like he actually had a chance to knock kate brown out of the governor's office he came in second in the the primary for the district two u.s house seat that's the token republican seat uh, that takes in basically the entire western half of the state uh lost to cliff bentz the only consolation is that he uh he beat out Jimmy Crumpacker, who had attached himself to the president's anus. Pretty airtight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, ran completely on a I'm Trump's pick platform. <laughs> and up yep. and forth. So. Good riddance. Yeah. Uh, that was that was basically it from the, the Oregon election, at least for things that affect me. There was a interesting note. It's a very low turnout election because it's a tiny little bump on the nose. But uh, Happy Valley, which is a suburb carved out of some of the more wealthy parts of Clackamas, uh, up above the mall back there, if you've ever been to the area, they uh, had a bit of a local scandal where the governor, or not governor, but the mayor had made a law to give himself a daily stipend, uh, or monthly stipend, excuse me, to pay for his expenses. Uh, he caught a whole scandal, tried to, you know, eliminate it from the press, a lot of, like, local, hyper-local, because the town only has, like, 5,000 people in it. Um, hyper-local news caught on to it. It was eventually forced to a vote. So they lost that. So the mayor of Happy Valley is now a uh, unpaying job as the city had written it to be initially when it first formed a couple of years ago. Hmm. Yeah. I thought that was uh, a, a bit of a, a little bone mow at the end of that there. Yeah. A little bit of shot in Freud. The, the rich guy who carved the whole town out so they didn't have to pay more taxes to uh, Clackamas and then tried to give himself some more money from the residents got told to shut it. All right. Uh, you have some local politics stuff going up in Washington, I think. I Just saw. a little bit, or potential. Uh, we are having some bubblings from the state Republican Party, the uh, caucuses in the legislature that want to push for a special session. Uh, the rationale for that being that uh, there are some pretty big shortfalls due to the COVID-19 crisis in collection of taxes, Right now, uh, the state's looking at a $7 billion drop in tax collections over the next three years um, out of a uh, two-year budget of $53 billion. So it's a good – it's a sizable amount. You know, that's a mm-hmm. about 10% revenue gap that potentially is created there. I mean, fortunately, the state's got a decent amount of rainy day funds to carry that over. But uh, the legislative legislative caucus of the Republican side is pushing pretty hard to uh, come back in and pass uh, mostly impose a tax? bunch of cuts. No, I, I don't think they're going to be going for that. But uh, I think what the uh, House Speaker uh, Lori Jenkins has been saying is that 
if that if there is a special session or you know how the legislature looks to approach uh, the shortfall they're going to be looking at both revenue and cuts in order to make that fix because you know seven billion in cuts is just not going to be sustainable what's your state's credit rating i assume we're triple a like uh like the federal government let's see here i i don't honestly i don't know why you guys just don't borrow it out Washington is a net overproducer of electricity. You guys contribute, I think, 10% or 12% of your total generation capacity to the national grid. Uh, and you've got more coming online all the time. I mean, large amounts of it. Uh, okay. I really don't know why you guys wouldn't just borrow against future like revenue from selling electricity. The way California borrowed against uh, future revenue uh, of their... Uh, their lottery to plug a hole and were able to climb out of it just fine. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it honestly, it, it struck me as probably one of the best executed like financial rescues of all time that didn't involve absolutely slicing away services. I, I credit Schwarzenegger a lot for working with the, the legislature and coming up with that. It, you guys have a constantly growing stable source of revenue. That's only going to get more valuable as the future goes on. Right. I, yeah. I really don't know why you even consider cutting when you can just borrow against future revenue. Right. Or, again, look at some more appropriate ways to raise revenue. And income I think tax. income tax would probably yeah. be the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just confirmed Moody's, uh, per Moody's, we are AAA. Yeah. Just so. You're going to have great yeah. rates. Just borrow, borrow four years worth of it. Mm -hmm, Promise mm -hmm. 10 years worth of electricity. Uh, and we'll bounce payments. back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that is, I think, one of the, the best parts about Cascadia. We're not only leading the nation in terms of green energy, but Washington in particular has turned it into an actual business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that's about the size of it. I mean, the expectation, I think it's still more likely that there won't be a special session. This is Republicans yelling they're not in charge, so... They don't get to say one way or the other as to whether or not it actually happens. Uh, also, they don't it's run to Idaho. yeah, it's it's an election year, so well, I mean, they can't if they go to Idaho. The legislature's still not meeting, so <laughs> 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 have fun not campaigning for re-election in Idaho. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, it's not like if if the Democrats decide they'd rather let that sit till after the election. I'm sure they can. I mean, the only holdups would be as if they wanted to make some drastic cuts for this coming year, for like the fiscal year that starts July 1st, they would need to do a special session then if they were going to do it. Otherwise, constitutionally, they have to pay out what they've already budgeted. So for things like schools and things like that, which is you know, one of the biggest chunks of the state budget, they have to make that decision before the end of June or else, you know, they are where they're at and everyone will just have to brace for more cuts the next year, assuming that's the way things go. Yep. All right. Um, well, on that note, we're about to pass a very grim milestone. By the time you hear this episode, a hundred thousand Americans will be dead from the coronavirus. Uh, mm. and that's about the be all end all of it. Uh, it's where we're at. Short episode yeah. again, been about 40 minutes. It's yeah, it's tough times. I mean, uh, that's a dark 
dark way to end it, but I mean, it's kind of consuming everything right now. So, yeah, I would absolutely recommend picking up the Sunday New York Times. By the way, they are running the names of 1,000 victims of the coronavirus tomorrow, along with their occupation and where they were from. Uh, it's going to be the entirety of their front page and several pages deeper in. It represents 1% of all the victims. Um, and they wanted to drive home the point that it's more than just numbers. These are people. These are us. Sure. Um, so I, if you can stomach it, I'd highly recommend pick up the Sunday New York Times 524. Um, just read through the list of names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Have a good one, Dan. <laughs> YouTube rock. Bye.